it's Erin from Tall Ships America, and you are listening to A Bark, A Brig, and A Schooner Walk Into a Bar, a podcast where I get to know the people in our Tall Ships community. If you've been enjoying these episodes, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to our podcast, and consider donating or becoming a member of Tall Ships America so I can keep talking to amazing advocates for sail training. Help us support the Tall Ships at tallshipsamerica.org. My guest this week is someone that I consider the godmother of the sail training community. If you've been to any of our conferences or have been in the industry long enough, you will recognize and have probably been hugged by Nancy Richardson. We had the most delightful, thoughtful, and wonderful conversation, ranging from her start as a Mariner Girl Scout in New Jersey to sailing aboard over 100 tall ships. We learn that shipboard advice is good life advice, wool socks are a must, and if you can, become friends with your heroes. I also want to once again apologize for the wonky audio. I had some microphone issues when I uh, interviewed Nancy, so it was a whole thing. Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really do appreciate it. I'm kind of excited. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited. I love talking to you. (laughs) So if you can have, if you can say your name, um, an affiliation, uh, and anything else you want people to know about you, I was going to, usually it's name, uh, vessel and affiliation, but you can say whatever you want because you're Nancy Richardson. <laughs> okay, my affiliation is a lifelong affiliation with tall ships of many names and a background of leadership with Tall Ships America, Girl Scouts of the USA, among other wonderful organizations. And you are currently in San Pedro, California. Yep, with okay. a balcony overlooking balcony balcony overlooking the ports of L.A. and Long Beach, and out into the Pacific Ocean. Oh, I have been there, and it is a lovely balcony. So you are very lucky. <laughs> I am truly blessed. <laughs> So let's start at the very beginning. Nancy, I've known you for as long as I've been involved with Tall Ships, and we've hung out and we've talked a lot, as anyone who knows both of us is uh, not surprised. (laughs) But I am really interested to kind of get into the weeds a little bit about how you became involved with Tall Ships. I kind of know the surface of it, but um, let's go back and talk about Tiny Nancy, a young girl growing up in New Jersey. Did you grow up sailing in New Jersey? No. My pi- my father's pilot's license was signed by Orville Wright in 1930. Oh. So it was <laughs> flying awesome. talk around our house. My father <laughs> quit flying when he married my mother because his mother told him he had to get a real job. So he opened an <laughs> auto repair Gene Shop, and I always love following him around, trying to figure out how things work and how to fix things and stuff. Okay. Um, my my first chance to sail came when I was 12, mm-hmm. around 1953. 
few girls from my Girl Scout troop went to the Jersey Shore to sail our friend's 16-foot sailboat. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I fell in trying to make a big step from the bulkhead onto the boat. I was wearing a PFD, but it didn't save my my embarrassment. No, oh, poor Nancy. I can just imagine you, this little tiny Nancy, with this huge, like <laughs> this huge uh, life preserver and like little shoes. <laughs> deter you falling in did not no, deter no. you <laughs> not at all not at all no so then what was your first tall ship how did you get involved in tall ships well here's a girl scout story when i was in a when i was a brownie girl scout in the third grade my mother took me to hear captain irving johnson's slide slide lectures about mm-hmm. Yankees World Voyages with Youth. My mom bought the tickets from our neighbors, who was a Girl Scout mariner, who was earning money for their annual June cruise on Yankee. It oh. made me want to be a mariner like her, mm-hmm. and wear the blue midi uniform and get to sail Yankee right then. <laughs> what I had to until I was in high school. Irving Johnson, were they from New Jersey? No. Actually, he was from Massachusetts, Hadley, Massachusetts, and his family home is still there on the Connecticut River. Oh, okay. I didn't Um, realize that. So what was your um, first tall ship then? In 1957, Yankee was still uh, around the world, so my troop's June cruise had to be on another boat, and it was, so my first tall ship was Schooner Tabor Boy. From Tabor Academy out of Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, this was before they took they admitted girls at at the the academy. But there was an active Mariner Girl Scout ship troop um, nearby, and um, their skipper was a friend of my skipper's, and we got to sail on Tabor Boy. I guess out of their local waters, they're in off of New Bedford. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lovely ship. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, and I, <laughs> uh, I, I would look forward to sailing again. But I understand. I, I think they've even had a woman captain since then. Uh, I don't know enough. I know it's Jay Amster now. He just he just took over. Um, which is pretty cool. I think he just just this week actually. I think they did the like handing over ceremony just this week. So, um, oh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So then, from Tabor Boy, was that it? Were you hooked, or did it take a little bit more time for you to to settle in to figure oh, out that was, tall ships were for you? <laughs> well, I was still waiting for Yankee to get home in 1958 in June. And okay. so when I was a junior in high school, we sailed Yankee just after oh. she got back from the Seventh World Voyage. Wow. And it was the, wow. It was the, yeah, it was the first cruise after Irving and Exie sold her. Okay. But the crew, but the crew was still fresh from their circumnavigation. Mm-hmm. And so, so Irving and Exie weren't aboard. 
but the okay. crew was, like I said, was was on board. Um, and I'm still in touch with some of them, like Win- Winty Williams and Peter Bloomer. How long was that trip for, Nancy? Oh, it was only it was only a week, as I remember. Our troops oh, okay. sailed June cruise. Okay. We we raised money and sold cookies and sold tickets to Irving's lectures and stuff every every year in June. And in fact, when I was a senior um, in 1959, we sailed Brilliant out of Mystic Seaport, and that started my my long relationship with Brilliant and Mystic Seaport ships. Well, what was it though about about these experiences that that was so transformative for you? Because in the 50s, I mean, I can't. That seemed just very plucky that this was something that this that this rather I'm sure for the time extreme adventure was rather unusual. Absolutely, it was. Um, actually, that was those high school years were. I. I kind of thought I might want to go to the Coast Guard Academy. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, but they didn't ex- they didn't admit women. It was the first oh. military academy to admit women. But that wasn't oh. until the 70s. Okay. I think I think they they took women in 72 or something. Yes, it it was often um mariners sailed Yankee in all the summers in between their world voyages and it, and and um which were 18 months around the world and then they'd be home for 18 months several mariner girl scout troops that regularly uh were associated with with yankee and some okay. of them were active as mariner troops even after the the national girl scouts didn't support the separate interest group of mariners oh but, um, okay but my troop, my troop persisted in, until just about five years ago. Oh my gosh! Continually That's awesome. trying to, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, what was it about sailing that, or sailing these tall ships that that spoke to you? Well, the people, um, mm-hmm. wonderful, and of course, as a as a high school girl, the cute. Young crew members were just awesome. Um, A woman after my own heart, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not surprising. No, it's not. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that, that, you know, teenagers like being with other teenagers. Yeah. Um, especially the girl and boy thing. But um, um, the thing about sailing a tall ship is that you get to really work. It's really, and it's real. Mm -hmm. You've got a job to do. Everybody Mm -hmm. has to pitch in. And and you get to know people. I, I, I particularly love pulling together to raise the sails. Mm-hmm. And being at the helm and being on lookout, boy, being right. on lookout, looking for things that are hazards and aids to navigation. And so where are we going and what are those other ships out there and all that? Right. It's the it's the 
adventure and the fun and the things you learn that you don't know you learned them and, until you go ashore. Right. You know. Right. And giving that responsibility to young people and which is probably their first true responsibility and literally life and death, you know, when you're on lookout, you're in you got to make sure that the ship's not going to run into anything. So, and there's not a lot of situations where young people, teenagers get put into those positions of such responsibility. And I think that that's so important. Like, they can do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I see with the kids that we sail with at LA Maritime Institute. Mm-hmm. You know, um, these kids say they've never seen the ocean. Right. They, most of our kids are middle school, so they, they're not old enough to even have a driver's license. Right, and yet right. they stand at the helm and steer this big ship with thirty people's lives in their yeah. hands. Right, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's really a, incredible, and it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. The best part is the fun. <laughs> it is fun. Did you keep up sailing when you went to college? No, I went to Penn State. But and it's far enough from the ocean that that we don't have a. I think they have a sailing team, but it's not an ocean going. Right. Penn State has no tall ship. Put it that way. Um, since I couldn't go to the Coast Guard Academy, I followed another heart, and that was I had I had a crush on my art teacher in middle school, and he went to Penn State, so I went to Penn State. Um, and being an art teacher really was. It, 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 that was a career that could work. I, I was still active with my home troop in New Jersey, and I got to be the chaperone on the June cruises for the girls in my troop. Okay. So we sailed on Brilliant a few times. Then I went to grad school at Stanford, and when I got back to New Jersey after my divorce, I tried to go home to New Jersey and sail with the girls in my troop as often as I could when I was still in California. But when I moved back to New Jersey, I got to, um, I got to help with the troop again. And, um, I was the mariner skipper in San Francisco Bay. Oh. Uh, after, after I lived in, after Stanford, I got married and I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. We had mm-hmm. a we had a, we had a forty forty one foot Liberty launch, and then we inherited an Army Corps of Engineers survey vessel oh. with, with twin twin diesel engines and stuff. But the girls had a lot of fun with it, and Sea mm-hmm. Scouts wasn't co-ed at the time, so that was fun. There was nothing under sail, so I really loved going back to New Jersey and sailing with my old troop because we would go on on Brilliant and and other East Coast vessels. How did you get so involved with Irving and Exie Johnson then? Well, they were always my heroes, and um, Mm -hmm. my Mariner troop and my Mariner skipper I guess introduced us and when I moved back east in 77 
I got the job at Girl Scouts headquarters as Marine Education Programs Specialist. And so I was trying to get Girl Scouts sailing on tall ships all the time, and I was trying to get, I got active with ASTA, American mm-hmm. Sail Training Association, and I, I thought, boy, Irving would be a great lecturer, speaker, inspirer for ASTA conferences. Irving and I got to be friends. Exie and I got to be friends. It's one of the things that I cherished throughout my life, and so many things were connected with them. Right. Um, in 82, 84, I don't know, in the early 80s, a friend of Irving's who founded Friendly Ice Cream, now I forget his name, arranged for Irving and Exie and their friends to sail Sea Cloud transatlantic. Okay. And I was told that I could go. I took girls from my troop in New Jersey to hear Irving narrate Around Cape Horn, mm-hmm. his movie from 1929 on Peking. And he used to come to South Street Seaport and and narrate the film live aboard Peking. Oh what? That's incredible. So, so one time I brought some girls from my troop to hear him, just as I had heard him as a young kid. And afterwards, I I introduced them to Irving and Exie, and Ir- and Exie's eyes got like she just lit up at one point. She says, "Nancy, you've got to sail with us. We're going to do a transatlantic on Sea Cloud." And I said, oh, I get those I get those advertisements from the Stanford Travel. I can't afford that. She said, no, no, you could come. You can talk about tall ships today. We can only talk about them yesterday. So I called the guy. He was arranging for this trip. I mm-hmm. guess he was doing the arrangements for travel, Sea Cloud. It was, it was just Marjorie Mary Weather's post ship at the time and I told him what Exie said and he says yeah we could we could give you a berth I thought oh boy that's a good one I said I'm not sure I can where you know where transatlantic he said well you could join us in the Canary Islands I said boy that's that that's a big flight oh well we could arrange that <laughs> okay so I had my flight and my berth he said but um You'd have to pay the single supplement or find a roommate. So I called Ernestine Bennett, who then owned Adventurous, and we had sailed together many times. She was a Girl mm-hmm. Scout leader, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And a board member of ASTA at one point. Anyway, I called Ernie and I said, hey, do you want to sail transatlantic on Sea Cloud with the Irving and Exie Johnson? Where do I meet you, <laughs> she said. So... So we we flew the Canary Islands and sailed to um, where did we go? Oh, we ended up in Martinique. Partway across, the the uh, German captain said, "You know, we really need more American crew," because he'd been talking to Ernie. So Ernie said, "Well, lend me your radio." And she called uh, Adventurous and got a couple of their crews and mates to meet. To meet Sea Cloud in Martinique, and they sailed Sea Cloud, and subsequent 
subsequently, that was part of the reason why um, Mike Raworth, our president or mm-hmm. chairman of our uh, Toll Ships America board, met Burt Rogers. With they were <laughs> yeah. both sailing sea class. Yeah, it's such a small so world. So I guess that goes back to Irving and Exie. I didn't realize that till you reminded me. Well, what was it about Irving and Exie's? How did their vision for sail training inspire you? They knew that youth's lives were changed and that it was fun to explore the world under sail. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wanted to do that. And to share it with youth was the way they figured it out. Irving was just a fabulous, exciting speaker, as you know, having having heard him narrate around Cape Horn. <laughs> Especially when the guy gets washed overboard. <laughs> it was, it was well, uh, he, he's like, he's so undaunted. He's like, yeah, he just, it, it was just a fact and he was stating it. Um, I would have loved to have and, seen him live. That guy was washed overboard and saved by the captain. Was he saved? Did he mention that in the movie? Yeah, I, the story was, is that the, oh. the guy that was washed over, the captain, the story is that the captain of of, uh, of Pete King um, went overboard and and on a on a line, of course, or something, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. picked up the, they picked up the guy and saved him. Oh, I didn't that's, know that. You probably should mention story. that in his he probably should have mentioned that in the movie. It's like it's kind of a he's just kind of leaves I think it. They, <laughs> I think they do. Oh, do they? I, don't I forgot that part. I don't remember either. It was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I do recommend well, that everyone we'll watch, watch it. the movie. Uh, yeah, we will have to watch the movie around Cape Horn. It's gripping. But yeah, I can see that. I, you know, because you always speak of them obviously so highly and and obviously they've inspired your entire career in tall ships and I just think that's absolutely incredible and you're so lucky to have found you're so lucky to have found those people to inspire you and I think that's I just think that's awesome yeah as I was thinking about the questions that you were asking and stuff I thought you know it all goes back to the that that scene Seeing Irving speak about sailing around the world with youth, mm-hmm. you know, and the ship, and that all the 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 joy and the awe and wonder of being at sea, out of sight of land. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's one of the things that I really cherish, and not everybody can have that experience. Did you do it's a very world humble. voyage with them? No, no, I was too young. Oh, okay. Uh, How many sold, did they do? They, sold, they did seven world voyages between okay. 1935 and 1958. They okay. had a topsail schooner schooner before World War II and Brigantine Yankee after World War II. They okay. retired after the seventh world voyage. They built a catch with... Um, the masts were on tabernacles so they could fold down and do the waterways of Europe, go under bridges oh. and the canals and stuff. Cool. Um, they went up the Nile on Ketch Yankee. Oh. Wow. I never sailed with them on Ketch Yankee. Yeah. Oh, there's 
the the movie, I mean, the DVD that Gary Jobson did called Unfurling the World, The Voyages mm-hmm. of Irving and X. Johnson, um, okay. is is uh, one of the favorites at, at Mystic Seaport. The other wow. movie I would recommend would, would be Windjammer, the transatlantic on Christian Roddick from 1958. Oh, okay. I'll, um, I'll have to look them up and I'll include them in the show notes. So... Uh, now we're going to get into the unfair questions, Nancy, <laughs> that I know you're going to be very polite about. How many tall ships have you sailed? I've sailed 104 so far. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? And you can't say, like, Yankee or anything. <laughs> or you can. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't. <laughs> no. No, I I. I can't say I have a favorite. I can say that I can I have sailed the ships from A to Z, adventurous yeah. to zodiac. <laughs> but there's no particular order or favorites. Some highlights certainly from A to Z, I can start with adventurous at A. The waters in Puget Sound are perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned Ernie Bennett, and they're they they now Adventurous now has a program called Girls at the Helm, and mm-hmm. I've sailed with them as a mentor on their. It's a four day voyage with women in maritime careers, mm-hmm. in addition to the crew, and we sailed the San Juan Islands. Um, but it's a wonderful model that I'm trying to um, get into a a pilot package right for other sh- other ships to maybe use and to attract more girls from around the country to adventurous because right. with this pandemic um i think there's a lot of opportunities for the parents are going to want to send their kids away <laughs> and have adventures <laughs> like an adventurous I think it's an yeah. opportunity for tall ships all around. Um, so do you have a favorite place to sail? Well, I would have to say that the most exciting trip maybe was Antarctica. Easily, but I yeah. don't think I'll be getting <laughs> back there right away. I am blessed with this view of the Port of L.A. and Long Beach and the Pacific Coast. I can see the ships come and go. I can see our brigantines, Irving Johnson and Exie Johnson, come and go. And sometimes I get aboard with kids. So L.A.'s really good sailing waters. The Pacific is a, is good when it's calm because mm-hmm. I do get seasick. Um, do you, even after all these years, all those shifts? Yep, yep. I found <laughs> that the patch keeps me from um, having to have the wind at my back. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, cause you have literally sailed all over the world. I've sailed In- on all seven seas, or I can claim the Arctic Ocean because... Who did you sail when in we, the Arctic? Well, I sailed my tattoo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there, I, I know, I know. I, I'll I, take it. We, we went to we went to the um 
National Marine Educators Conference. I ended up in Barrow, Alaska. Oh. And um <laughs> and and while I was there I put my foot in the ocean and I thought, Oh, I've had my tall ship in the ocean. Yeah. I'll in the take Arctic it. Ocean. <laughs> okay, so the other seven seas. I've done the Atlantic many, many times. I did a transatlantic on Sea Cloud. Mm-hmm. I've done the Indian Ocean because I I flew to Perth and sailed Lord Nelson to Adelaide. So I've done the Indian Ocean and the Southern Ocean and a lot in the Pacific, obviously. Mm -hmm. I remember once I... I remember once we were having a conversation, I think Eagle was going to the Galapagos. I think this was, gosh, this was many years ago. I think they were on the West Coast in 2008, and they were going to the Galapagos, and I think I had the opportunity to sail with them, but I I ultimately decided not to. And and you mentioned that you were it's so casually in conversation. You're like, well, the first time I went to the Galapagos aboard Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like it was just the most. It was just uh, yeah. I I I was like I could never compete with that. That was the only time too, and what a surprise <laughs> that was because we we um I wasn't going to go on that trip, the San Diego to Panama trip. Yeah, and I had three people lined up, and two guys dropped out, and Ed Steiner, my good friend, and other volunteer with LA Maritime Ships said, oh, why don't you try to go with me? You didn't really want to go alone. So I said, okay. And so they had a berth for for me, and I got to go half an hour out of San Diego. The captain said, "Um, we have a choice. We can either meander down the coast or we can push pedal to the metal and maybe go to the Galapagos. What would you like to do? (laughs) <laughs> and that that was a treat too because that had a, a connection with Irving and Exie because they stopped in the Galapagos every time on all of their seven world voyages and when Ed and I were in the Galapagos we went to the, the town and we were in a shop and I was asking if anybody knew the Angermeyer family who settled in the Galapagos, they escaped Hitler's Germany and ran away to the Galapagos and married girls in the Galapagos, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, the Angermeyer, one of the Angermeyer brothers married, I don't know, somebody. Anyway, Yankee people stayed with her parents in the, I guess, before World War II. She remembered Exy giving her a stuffed toy for Christmas. Oh, that's so sweet. What a great memory. The connections worldwide are incredible. It's mind-blowing. But at the same time, you're like, it's so big, but at the same time, our community is so small. The tall ship community is so yes. small. <laughs> yes. Like, there's a lot of ocean yes. out there, but and there's a lot of really passionate people um, sailing those oceans. So I am not sure if you were able to think about this question, but I thought you would be the most perfect que- most perfect person to ask this question, the five most essential items for a tall ship experience. I I listed these. Okay. I think the first thing you have to take is a body, mind, and spirit ready for adventure. Okay. 
You have to pack a hat for sun and layers for warmth. Okay. And remember that wool socks are warm even when they're wet. <laughs> it's and very cashmere. practical. <laughs> yes, and cashmere is light and warm. I have a hooded cashmere sweater that is always in my duffel bag when I sail. Fancy. Uh, waterproof hooded jacket, jacket and pants. Okay. Take a camera, but make sure you've got it tied to you. Yeah, or to absolutely. your pocket, or in some way leashed. And I talked to Ed about this. He said, "Say something about packing your patience." <laughs> and That's together we came out with new experiences will come to you from many directions. Okay. I would say pack right. your patience and your curiosity. I like that. I think that's all really. I think those are all really good. <laughs> practical and uh, practical and essential. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you have any advice for first timers for first time trainees? Well, Irving always said, "Pay attention to detail." That goes with the curiosity that we just talked about. I think have courage to do your best. Mm, I like that. Get along That's with really your good. shipmates. Yeah. And get along with your shipmates, I said, and keep the wind at your back, especially if you feel seasick. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, don't forget sunscreen. And remember, we can't control the wind, but we can adjust our sails. Yes, I like that one, too. I like that one, too. Keep the wind at your back. <laughs> that's, so, that's good for sailing through life. I think so, too. Yeah, and yeah most, most, of the advice, most of the advice is is good life advice in general. <laughs> it's just, well, that's yeah, what it is. That's yeah. what living on board a tall ship is. It is a microcosm, and everything is... Um, it is a microcosm. It's just everything is kind of, you know, accentuated by the fact that you have a you, you have a very limited amount of space. So, um, this all good life advice. Wear wool socks. <laughs> Be nice to others, and uh, um, you know, if you're if you're gonna barf, lean away. <laughs> yes. So, and the, the be, be nice to others is get along with others. Exactly. You know, you don't always have to like your shipmates. But you do have to depend on them to survive. Right. Everybody, it's, people are saying, oh, yeah, we're all in the same boat with this pandemic. Yes, we are. And it is universal. Mm -hmm. But in our everyday life, although we're in the same boat with others, it's not the same as being in the same boat being shipmates on planet ocean. Right. You said being in the confined space and getting along with others and everything. We've got lots of boats on this planet. Mm -hmm. We've got different races and ages and genders and all that stuff. So we're not always all in the same boat. <laughs> but we're all, we're all sailing through life on planet Ocean, and we certainly need to get along better than we have lately. Yeah, I know. That's... That's very true. I completely agree. So you've been you've been sailing tall ships for so long, and you are 
one of the, if not the most passionate person about sale training and tool ships that I have met. So how do you stay so passionate about tall ships and sale training? I'd have to say all of the above. It's both an escape and you come face-to-face with yourself. I've earned the right to say you can count ships, but it's shipmates that count. Right. The friendships that we have, the people, the connections, the the networks that 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 are worldwide and still going are very exciting. I'm just really looking forward to the to the UN Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable de- Development because tall ships can really shine in that everywhere. We're environmentally sound. We're educationally sound. We're adventureful. We bring science and spirit together. It's the it's the legacy of tall ships, that, that right. and the and the effect on people that I think is what keeps me so passionate. And I'm I'm really eager about this legacy idea for. Having reunions of alumni from tall ships, especially mm-hmm. Mariner Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, because a lot of us have a lot of us have stuff, not just memories, but memorabilia and logbooks that our kids or our relatives or you know where where are we going to put them? Right. How are we going to save that? What what right. is it that that Tall Ships America can do? With maritime museums and stuff, or at mm-hmm. at tall ships events to gather people who have stuff that they don't know what to do with, or right. interview people. Part of you know you're doing your thing by interviewing people, right? <laughs> right. I'm helping. <laughs> well, you kind of touched yes, on this you a little bit. <laughs> the prospect of virtual sharing is now really open and essential. Right. But the face-to-face on board to watch people look up the mass and say, wow, that's mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. And then they see themselves, you know, I I see kids especially going to the bow of a ship and looking out even on a deck tour. Yeah. As if to think, you know, they're about to go on a world adventure. Yeah, there is something about being on a boat and I and a and a tall ship especially with that that it is that sense of adventure, that sense of um, you know, sailing over the horizon ports unknown. Even when the ship is at the dock you can't help but but kind of fantasize about that. And I didn't realize how much it's funny. I was talking about this with um my boyfriend last night and I was like, Gosh, I didn't realize how much I was going to miss being around tall ships this summer. And even some summers where we only had a few events and some summers when we had a lot of events. And I, But I was always around, at some point, a tall ship. And this summer, I didn't have that experience. And I felt it. Like, I felt it physically. Like, not being able to be aboard a tall ship this summer really was hard. And I'm, I'm jealous of people who are actually out there sailing right now. But I know a lot of people like you and me have been really, you know, we're going through a little bit of withdrawal right now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, <laughs> last, last week I should have been in Venice 
sailing out of Venice on the Royal Clipper. You know the Aww. the uh, yeah. luxury tour ship. Yeah. yeah, the National Maritime Heritage Society guide signed up for their special voyage out of Venice and around the foot of Italy. We were going to stop <gasps> in Croatia and stuff. Well, oh, that cut to deep, Nancy. That cut deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 um, postponed till next year. Obviously, not a lot of ships are sailing right now. And, you know, the the whole state of our industry is up in the air. A lot of our vessels have really embraced the, the virtual education aspect of, of their programming, uh, which has been awesome to see. The creativity within our community is just is incredible. But why yes. is it important? Yes, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, without having a shipper being or sailing, it's been really difficult. But you know, when when we eventually get out of this knock on wood, you know, why is it important for us to keep these programs relevant? Why is it important for us to fight so hard to keep these ships sailing? Why not? <laughs> um, no fair. <laughs> um, because the, because we are uniquely we are uniquely tying tradition with the future with the emphasis on anti-racism and the the need for diversity equity and inclusion these days learning the skills to value our diversity to act in equitable ways and to be inclusive as individuals and as organizations has never been more important. True. And ships are the way to do it. Girl Scouts have three... uh, I, I have to put the Girl Scouts in here. The mission of Girl Scouting is to build girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. And the Girl Scout promise says, I will do my best to serve God and my country. And Girl Scouting, several years ago, put an asterisk by the word God and said, use the name that describes your spiritual belief or being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the sixth principle of ocean literacy is that the ocean and humans are inextricably interconnected. And one of the premises is that there's one ocean with many names. Mm -hmm. And I think that tall ships have a place in both the science and the spirit of the survival of our civilization. Agreed. No pressure. And it's but. fun. <laughs> and it is fun. It is. <laughs> and it's fun. And you get a tan. <laughs> you sometimes. <laughs> I do have one last question for you, and I think it might be the hardest one. Uh-oh. One word to describe your sail training career. I came up with. Well, there aren't enough words, put it that way. But the word <laughs> no, it's a very unfair with, question. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's not. I had to come up with 
one word, and I hyphenated it, and it's misspelled. The word is wonderful, wonder-f-u-l-l, because my sale training life, my whole life, my career, my volunteer time, whatever's left, whatever's been and whatever's left, has been filled with wonder, which makes it the one word, wonderful, my one word. I like it. I'll take it. I accept that. <laughs> you could have you said better. more than one word than I would. I, <laughs> I would have accepted anything, Nancy. I like that. That's really special. Um, well, thank you so much, Nancy. This was an absolute pleasure. And I learned many new things about you. And this was delightful. It was a really nice way to end the week. I think I think I forgot one line from Irving Johnson that that uh, would be advice to sales okay. trainees. Irving said, lean forward into life. I like that. Me too. <laughs> Thank you again, Nancy. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, you too. Have fun. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. A book, a brig, and a schooner walk into a bar is a Tall Ships America production. The music provided by Kebab Studios. You can find us in all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Tall Ships America, and on our website at tallshipsamerica.org. Send us your sea stories or drop us a line at manager at tallshipsamerica.org. As always, be sure to support your local tall ship.